All right, welcome to another of these Ecclesia Conversations. I'm here today talking with a friend of mine, Richard Thomas. Richard, thanks so much for, for joining us on this. It's a pleasure, Sam. I'm looking forward to having our a chat about the art. So, um, yeah, and just seeing um, how, how those ideas bounce off, how what I say and whatnot, you know, um, makes, if it makes any sense, I'm sure it will make some sense. But, it'd be, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Fantastic. Well, I mean, we, uh, we we know each other well through a mutual connection at first, and uh, but we got to know each other in in London, and I have fond memories of us catching up at, at coffee shops on Tottenham Court Road, where I'd just really sit at your feet and glean the wisdom uh, <laughs> that, that comes out of Richard Thomas's brain and mouth. It was just awesome, and you've been a, an older brother to me in this uh, journey of following Jesus, and it's great to to be able to catch up in this way and as you say talk about church and the arts hey Richard, tell us a little bit about about yourself and about your kind of background in art so your experience of um yeah so i mean i i, I grew up with um uh, from a very early age that um my drawing kind of excelled it was it was something that not only did um was I particularly good at but it was something that I just enjoyed doing it was my own therapy and um, maybe through the fact that when I drew as a child it just kind of like um, <laughs> the, the amount of time I put into it obviously kind of paid off mm. and so um, so drawing has been a part of my life um, ultimately and then um, when I started um, getting older and seeing animation and seeing things like Star Wars it only kind of like fueled all that kind of imagination and then you know in years to come I would discover the Hobbit and and um, Lord of it and I just I just love the idea of being in different worlds and I, I realized that drawing is one of those ways in which you can kind of draw the things that are unseen um mm. that, that are beyond maybe even you know um what we can comprehend in this world and and so I guess in that sense by the time I became a, I guess a committed Christian um, having kind of been always close to the church, um, it was no surprise to me that I, I wanted to try to draw the world beyond this world, um, mm. try to imagine what that was like. So I remember my first church I was in there, there was, um, there was, no, there was no publications. Um, no one was doing anything to kind of like um, do it. I mean, you know, I was, uh, I was in a new church in a new environment and I didn't realize that, you know, not every church had their own publication. And so, um, and I wanted to do one and I wanted to do a comic book. I wanted to do a comic book about um, spiritual warfare. And so that was me and, and two other friends. We got together and we started drawing that and we self-published that. And then we, um, we, we our, our aim wasn't ultimately to kind of just put, distribute that within um, Christian communities. We wanted, because we, I, I mean, I was an avid comic reader when I grew up. So I wanted that to go into the comic shops. I, I, I believe that what we were doing would connect to people who were of a comic attitude, uh, were, were part of that cough comic community and so we started to try to put that in as, as um sale and return in in local comic shops um and got some success um it lasted a few years but then um again eventually we disbanded and then we've been doing other little jobs obviously i've, I've worked on other, other other things since then um you know and i've enjoyed that so i've worked on bigger projects 
I've worked on personal projects. I've um, my favourite project at the moment is 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 working with Paul and uh, Paul Blackham on the on the book by book, which we started way back in two thousand and five, um, and we 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 just reached the halfway mark on that thirty three books, thirty three books done, <laughs> and so um, and so we're 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 on course. If God spares our life, if we if we if we have our four score and uh, three score and ten, and if not more, yeah. then uh, we're we, we should we should have um, we should have more than enough room to kind of do a little. <laughs> we could, could probably go and do the books again, oh, yeah. you, you know, knowing 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 Paul, we'll probably come back and do the books again. But um, so yeah, so I've had a a, a kind of a, um, a I've always been kind of active. Um, um, so whether it be big projects, whether it be personal projects, whether it be much more smaller, smaller projects, but, um, you know, I've, I've, I've always kind of been kind of active in making sure that, um, Christian, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm using my gift in order to, um, benefit the body. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. You referred there to the, these, uh, book by book images, um, I've got like the DVDs here, um, and uh, there's one of your images from from Amos. Yes, yeah. Uh, you know, one from from Esther. So you've got the the image on the front, but then there's there's commentaries inside, isn't there? And That's you right. Yeah. Have about five five or six images, something like that, in each book. Yeah, it depends on which book it is. Yeah. So some books are more richer. Um, obviously, yeah. some of the longer books, like um, I know, like Exodus. Um, has lots of images in because obviously it's a book that invokes images at, at least through the temple anyway and then obviously the the tradition you know the, the epic battles between pharaoh and yahweh you know so uh, that lent so much into it so some of those books have way more and then obviously um so a book like amos you know a few images um because again shorter books sure. and, and um yeah so so it it, it all varies Sure. But that was all part of um of, of Paul, Paul, in particular Paul's idea of when he wanted to redo the book by books was that we would we would mix Bible studies with with drawings and not obviously you know like um, diagrams of how things worked or 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 maps and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. um, Paul's specific thing was like how do we, especially within the kind of evangelical circles, revive art so that yeah. art is now a part of what we do. Um, and, and in a sense, and not throwing the, the baby out with the bathwater. So, yeah. so that book, my book, is really actually about how we are reviving the arts um, in in kind of in, in in evangelical circles, so that you know we're not afraid of art anymore. We're not mm -hmm. afraid of of the fact that you know we will be breaking um, the second commandment, so to speak, or the third commandment. Um, but we we but we're really honouring God by what we're doing because. Uh, again, we started on Exodus, and and uh, and it was strange. I remember that conversation very vividly, where we were talking about Exodus, and we were looking at how visual, you know, the temple was. Uh, you know, the fact that it was a work of art. It was a the environment itself incorporated the arts. You know, as you kind of, especially as you kind of come to David and and kind of picture David and the temple and and how he set it up for Solomon is that you walked into an environment where there was singing, 
singing by the priests, um, the, 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 the pomegranates and the, the, the pomegranates and the and, and the fruit and, and the trees all decorating the, the to kind of remind you that the earth was God's temple. Um, you know, the, the, the visceral image of, of, of the slain, you know, the slain animals, and then the fact that you ate, you you you're you're getting your barbecue and that you were now giving something down and you sat down and ate with your family now within that it i mean you know there's cutting there's cooking there's cooking there there's um visual treats there's um good lord um the incense burning so you're smelling that and also you're smelling the um the food as it cooked um going to the temple was a visceral experience and mm -hmm. so so i think exodus was a great book to start on to show how how much we were missing when we didn't allow the arts to speak to us oh so much good stuff in there and i'm going to pick up on a bit of that uh, in a moment richard and um, that's just glory i just did want to just show some some other pictures and um, these are kind of bigger versions of what's in these these book by books and i was saying to you earlier you know i have i have this image in my office so every day I'm encountering Richard Thomas uh, in, in this way and I just love this image uh, and you know every time I look at it it reminds me you know there's a tent here this earth is temporary temporal way I'm not putting down roots here we're waiting like Abraham Hebrews 11 he lived in tents because he knew uh, the future city of God that's going to be unshakable uh, and last forever that's coming and we want to invest uh, in in that. So I've got this up in my office. That's just awesome. And uh, we've got this one. Unfortunately, it just slipped down a bit just uh, just now. But uh, this one from uh, from John's Gospel, Jesus yeah. the Divine. And we were just uh, thinking earlier, if you can see, there's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. people hanging off the vine. And uh, that's right, yeah. Here just hanging on. And I always think that's me. Uh, <laughs> and one guy just chilling out, you know. Uh, just talk to us a little bit about this one. Like, what was your thought process as you were designing so I, I, and this? So it's, it's, uh, it's that classic, um, you know, word pictures, isn't it? You know, that Jesus, you know, says, I am the vine, I am the branches. And so um, those of us who are kind of familiar with Jewish culture, customs and culture and, and basically the ancient world altogether they, they communicated in word pictures do you know what I mean and so um for me as an artist when I kind of engage in kind of like um, a chapter like like John 13 it's it 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 it's it already created an image in your head because that's exactly what that that's exactly what the Jewish mind would have seen it would have seen an image and so um Obviously, Jesus wasn't speaking about leaves, um, about I'm the vine and you are the branches. He's, you know, he's, he's obviously making it literal. You, I am the true vine and you are now offshoots of me. So in that sense, all you have to do is that, you know, it's like, like that show catchphrase, isn't it? You know, um, draw what you see, you know, or say what you see, you know, they say catchphrase. And so, um, to so often it's just like basically learning how to, to draw what you see. And I saw people hanging on to Christ, some more securely, some less securely, um, you know, as, as, as I would say that maybe we're not necessarily one of those people, maybe we are, you know, maybe that's us at different stages of our lives, do you know what I mean, maybe at different stages of the day, but nonetheless, the, the, the whole idea of the, the image is to try and, it's basically to just, you know, give people a visual idea, so to some extent, Maybe in our kind of 
um, Western kind of enlightened world, we've lost that about the ability to see images. We've lost the art of metaphor. Mm. Um, and I think that probably if what we're doing in book by book, and especially with those images, is that we're, we're trying to reignite the senses. I don't want to, to be honest with you, I don't, I, I don't want to be um, a kind of... Uh, an appendage that makes those things happen. I'm trying to stimulate that so that you're starting to see that yourself. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because um, th there are way more images in the Bible than I've drawn. Um, mm -hmm. There are way more word images in, in the Bible than I've, than I've done. So hopefully um, when people encounter one of my images that they, they, they're, they're taking that principle and it's reigniting that muscle that to, to kind of re-engage in the metaphor, to re-engage in the symbolism of the Bible, um, and then hopefully it will be a much richer experience for them um, mm. as well. So that's that's my my hope intention. I hope that no one ultimately leads and says, "Well, you know, I, I wonder what Richard will think about this." I, I would say, go to the text. Yes. Um, if you've been blessed by one of my images, I'm really, you know, I really, you know, that's 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 great. But mm. I would say I'm just trying to. All I'm doing is doing what I believe that any. Um, any ancient Middle Eastern man would have done, or you know, woman or child, is engaged with the text as uh, with the richness of the symbols um, and be able to understand that. Mm. And, um, and and I think that picture is kind of typical of basically drawing what I see, drawing what Jesus said, and um, and and then seeing myself in that, you know, and like mm. you said, seeing your and and as you did, seeing yourself in there, you know, I'm I I feel like there's times I'm just clutching on. Yes. Um, which is good. Um, it's good to be able to say, you know, wow, I I can see myself within my, I can see my relationship with Christ being reflected in that. Mm. Um, and, you know, and maybe you would say to yourself, as you see that, I want to be the guy relaxing, mm. you know, <laughs> and I, I desire that. And maybe that pushes you. So, that, so in that sense, maybe there's a devotional aspect to it as well, where mm. you look at the picture and say, maybe I, I, maybe I need to be that guy a little bit further at the top you know um and so yeah I, I i that's that's my intention is that we would engage with um yeah with the word pictures that jesus and on and obviously so much of the other prophets used in order to communicate uh, mm -hmm. biblical truths you know which are so vast uh, that we have to use these kind of metaphors in order to kind of uh, gauge the, the gravity of some of them, do you know what I mean? And, and, and that whole idea of being in Christ and the vine, um, the security that it holds, um, it's not merely me holding on to God, but God holding on to me yeah. um, is a beautiful one. So good, so good. And you, you were talking earlier about just that relationship between text and image. And obviously we see that just in the book by book commentaries, you know, you've got the images there next to, the written word and, and both of those are, are pointing back to the scriptures and yeah. and i found your images to be you know some is like you say it's it's uh, uh, this just really helps me to to see what the image that jesus is communicating other times i find your artwork like you say devotional other times it makes me kind of think almost your image is like a commentary on the text at times and it's making me just think and ponder and, and that's yeah. the power of your art but i think the power of of art in general and of course that relationship between word and image is such a christian thing isn't it because we we call jesus the word of god and he is the image of the invisible god as well isn't he and that's right yeah the logos were, absolutely and 
could you could we step back for a minute? I mean, you already took us into Exodus a little bit there, mm -hmm. um, but could could you kind of let's zoom out for a second and say, if we're thinking about the arts, um, biblically and theologically, what what should we be thinking about, and and where in Scripture might we go, and what are some of the themes that you might draw out of Scripture? Like I say, you've already touch huh. on exodus there but anything else you'd want to say um, i mean i i would i i would begin at the um, that creation i mean if i was to go beyond exodus i mean i i i, I will come back there soon but um yeah. creation itself is a work of art it's god's expression of himself and so to some extent um to be made in god's image is to be a creator is to go out and recreate so to speak which is again the very act of the garden um, as far as i'm concerned we're still under the mandate of adam to go out and and um re um reculturalize the earth to make it um, um as it were so so many um, of some of the best commentators on the um especially on genesis talk about the whole idea of 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 the garden being kind of like a a a a typical place where God has already groomed it to be perfect. But outside the garden, there were wild places that needed man's hand in order to kind of bring it into, into not, you know, to, you know, I guess we, you could look at it as um, um, you could, as you walk down the road and maybe people who have got front, front, front gardens, you know, you can tell the people who are following the mandate because you can see right. some people's got some great gardens, right? Other people, you know, have paved it all over. Again, it's a kind of recreation. Uh, and then you can probably see some where you can see they've never ventured into their garden. So I believe that there is a mandate that we should, you know, not obviously just procreate, but we should recreate. We should be adding to that. You know, we see great architecture as we go through our cities. We see um, great, in, you know, great um, engineering um, things where people make bridges to, to make going over rivers easier, for example. Um, we're all under that cultural mandate to be to be busy um, mm -hmm. making the world um, a blessing. And even, even in the fallen world, that mandate doesn't cease. Um, we are still trying to, as it were, overcome um, and follow our Lord and our Saviour um, regardless. And obviously people do this as unbelievers naturally, because um, I believe it's written into our DNA. Um, and obviously as believers, if we're not, if we are not actively participating in that um, and thinking about how am I making my mark, how am I um, adding to creation, um, then I, I, I believe that we, we're in jeopardy of losing that. I mean, I, I can take us, um, I, I can skip over this and just, um, and even of Exodus, and, but, you know, let me touch on Exodus briefly. Yeah. Um, the very fact that as soon as the nation is being formed, you know, before they even touch the land, the Lord is now instructing. As soon as Moses basically comes down, he's got two names in his, you know, um, Beheziel and, and, uh, and Aliba, you know, to go and actually make the things that he saw, yes. um, in, bring them into, bring them into the world, bring, bring them, bring a representation of them into the world. And so, um, the very mandate was not just that I'm, I've come to give you the law. I've come to give you a context in which that law, um, will be visually demonstrated to you. Um, and that's building the temple. We see the same thing going on in, um, um for example, first Corinthians, isn't it? This whole idea of, um, Paul talking about the believers being bricks, being, um, 
individual members one together you're we are the temple of god and at the same time when you get to by the time you get to verse you know first corinthians 12 he's now talking about us now being active our gifts being active within the creation of that church and that we shouldn't become churches where we are um mono gifted you know so so all the singers go to one church all the you know all the 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 the, the artists uh, the drawers they go to one church and you know and all the prayers go to one church and all the people with helps ministry go to one church he says that no the the the, the expression of the body and, and he kind of gets reiterated as you kind of get back to chapter 14 isn't it um you know the whole idea of tongues and and just not allowing tongues to dominate um, the church service that you need that plethora you need prophecy to balance out tongues you know you need you, you need that diversity of gifts um, to come back to chapter 12 and so in that regards um, we are being creative even in the way that we we use our gifts um, I, I I would take us back even again to the old testament to say look at even people like um, Daniel and Joseph you know, there, you say the traditional gifts was in an in, in administration, but yet here are these guys having vast dreams about worlds beyond, you know, and the, the ability to interpret dreams. And so even the person who, who feels like, oh, I'm, I'm very academic, though, no, I'm not like that. You know, I'll point them to someone like Joseph and Daniel and say, well, um, here's guys who, could, who, who were very academic no doubt and were very good at their jobs in in making sure that things got done and, and 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 the likes but yet they were able to visions visualize worlds beyond this world they were able to take people's dreams and and, and relate them to god and say these images depict this and, and 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 so on and so forth and so i would say even for even in our academic um sensibilities there is a creative side that needs to be expressed um and so yeah there's so much more that could be said. Um, but I'm that, that... scribbling away down here. <laughs> just trying, so, yeah, I'm so... going to record this, but I'm getting it all down even now. Um... So yeah, so that's so that's it. So Genesis, Exodus. Yeah. We took a brief hike over to First Corinthians, yeah. and then we jumped back to um, Genesis again with Joseph, and then obviously Daniel. So um, oh. I could touch on more scriptures, but let's let's capsulate it because there's a mandate to be cultural to to absolutely. to to recreate love that absolutely love that and a few things just jump out there i think you know we, we do need to expand our lists of the spiritual gifts right sometimes right. We limit it to you know just what's going on at the front of church and it's like like you say you, you picked up on those guys uh, who are the embroiderers and they're putting together the the, the tabernacle and um uh, working with cloth and you've got the gift of administration there and all of that. But that's all taken us back to God's original vision for humanity to join him in this work of, well, he's the creator. I like how you put it. We're sort of recreators and we kind of borrow the stuff that he's made to make new things. And right. uh, there's, you know, there's so much possibility in this world. You, you talk about, I love what you said there about kind of art is, and am I right in thinking this is, one of your definitions of art might be visualizing worlds beyond this world and making them a reality is that a, a, a yeah, I, definition of art or or i or would what? say that's a, I, that was a that's a very good definition of art. i mean obviously it doesn't encapsulate everything but yeah. i think it, it i think it's it's one of the it's one of the useful things i've been able to say how do i take um 
a very subjective experience of what I might of what I might see in my own dreams in my mind and then putting it into a form in which it can be um, consumed by others you yeah. know so it's you know so if it stays in my head it's no good you right. know or it or it enriches my life it's, I mean not to say it isn't good but at the end of the day it doesn't benefit anybody else right. so art is that ability to now be able to kind of connect ideas to, to connect abstract things that exist in in you know to some to some extent it, within the spirit realm within the the soul of, of a person and be able to kind of put it in a way in which you know um is able to be to, to be appreciated by somebody else you know so mm -hmm. um obviously songs and all the rest of it all begin the same process as art you know as a as an idea in someone's soul in someone's in someone's spirit and and the the, the 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 role of arts is now bringing that forth to the surface in such a way that it can now be tangible for somebody else to engage with mm. you know so yeah that's something i think that could help that's helpful when you think about the arts that, that's super helpful and i mean there might be some people here who are aware of like the iconoclast movements of the past like particularly in the Reformation for us in the church, or even like in um, revolutions, you know, where, where just art is, is burned and gotten rid of and seen as a threat. And there are obviously different reasons for that, like it, with regards to the, the, the revolutions and the Reformation. Um, you know, there's, there's been the accusation of idolatry when it comes to art and in particular icons, um, and people yeah. want to look into that in the past. Do, do you feel like, because you talked earlier about kind of wanting to reclaim, particularly in the evangelical circles, just a, a love and appreciation for the art. Do you think there is a sense in which the iconoclast movement has continued for many and how we need to actually fight against that, but actually fight not for obviously idolatry towards art, but for a, a godly vision of art and, and all that art brings to us, which a few, few, few things that you've mentioned already. Yeah, and I, I feel that even though, I mean, you know, so for, I mean, I don't want to kind of put words to the average scholar, um, but many people believe that we've, we're, we're in an age where, um, you know, with a high level of literacy and all the rest of it, that to some extent, you know, we just merely need to communicate these things through sermons, um, through teachings and stuff like that. But um, I, what, one of the things I've argued, and, and, and it was kind of strange enough, it's one of the things I mentioned in, in, when I was at Oak Hill in an interview there about there's still a need for, for the, the stained glass windows mm. um, of the old world to kind of be here because to some extent um, there's, a different, there's a different sense of illiteracy going on because people don't read Bibles as such and to some extent people are not necessarily engaged with the fact that of what Christians do, you know, in many in many places, as soon as you mention you're a Christian, they they they, they shut off, they shut down, they're not, they're not they don't want to engage with you. So um, there's still a need to kind of communicate the gospels in ways in which people can kind of like um, who are not literate, who would not ordinarily read a Bible, uh, even though they can read, uh, and and engage. And obviously, I I mentioned previously before, even for us who have lost the art of metaphor. You know, I, I feel that sometimes the the um, uh, in the in in the potentially arid world of academia, potentially arid world, it's rich obviously in many places, but in the potential arid world of academia, um, 
we tend to kind of like live too long in the abstract and not necessarily engage in the richness of the symbolism and if and, and allow that to unpack in our lives. Um, and so in that regards, there's something for us all to be learned learning from the arts of, of, of being able to enjoy a rich metaphor um, and be able to kind of engage in it and make fun of ourselves, um, maybe even in it, or, 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 or as it were, have a devotional time within it and think to yourself, you know, how might I be, you know, um, the prodigal son? How might I be the, the older brother in, in, in this type of story, you know, um, and be able to and be able to kind of allow that image to, to, to have its way with us, as opposed to, you know, the ideal is to be like the father, you know, and to be, and to be drawing in people who have, who have been forgiven, you know, that's not necessarily being realistic, you know, and, and, and again, you can imagine in acting, isn't it, you know, how to act the role of the older brother, how to act the role of, of, of the younger brother and, and see yourself in that. And so the loss of the arts has basically meant that, um, We've, we've only given people the abstract things to deal with. Um, and, and so um, I guess this, one of the scriptures that's kind of coming to my mind kind of candidly is, you know, like, that, like what we get in James, isn't it? That, that whole idea that we can send somebody away and say, now be filled, you know, and not be practical about that and, and not actually unpack that. Um, so... One of the things, um, especially now becoming more and more involved in ministry and teaching on a Sunday, I've, I've realized how important illustration is. Uh, so when I say something that I know has the potential to be, uh, to be twisted, I know that an illustration will, or, or is hard to understand. I know an illustration will help people to tell a story, to tell an anecdote, um, to, to kind of work harder on those illustrations so that the, the audience and the congregation can can absorb it so I, I believe that there is more work to be done rather than just basically saying a load of stuff that you that you believe is true um work harder to illustrate it yeah. and make it real in people's lives and so you may not necessarily have the gift to draw it you might have not, not have the gift to dramatize it you may not even have the gift to sing it um but work harder on your illustrations because in a sense that's how we do it so create a stained glass window even if it's just in their minds um and so i feel that yeah we we still need to work hard at recontextualizing the gospel so that it 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 is forever relevant um to people and i don't mean relevant in the sense where people are trying to tone it down to make it what you know what you know to to make it palatable i'm talking about so it's understood that it speaks to our to the heart of the human condition so it, it's it's it it's seen to be relevant because obviously when people are facing the harshness of this world um, those truths will, will ring out more louder and so so yeah i i i believe that stained glass windows are still necessary uh, because they help the illiterate they help the world that doesn't know how to read their bibles well um to be able to understand it in in, in ways in which they can appreciate mm. <laughs> so good so we want to reclaim the imagination and yeah i love i love you know just what you're saying G jesus is often um telling stories or you know he'll pick up a seed won't he and just say you know this yeah, teaches about death and resurrection and of course, yeah. he made a world that tells a story, right? And I'm just thinking of Psalm 
19, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim his handiwork. And there's that example, isn't there, of the sun that's like a bridegroom uh, in the sky. And uh, so, you know, there's just the, the visual gospel all over the place. I want to pick up on some stuff, some practical stuff uh, with regards to church life off the back of what you've said. Um, but just again, to anecdotally, we uh, we were preaching through uh, Hebrews a number of years ago at, at my current church. And we came to some of the stuff on Tabernacle. And uh, like, I'm not, uh, you know, very arty or creative in that in that sense. But a, a couple from church built like a half-sized tabernacle <laughs> and um, we, we did all the furniture and we got the outfits and, and all of that and we, we still had a, 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 a service and we read the, some of the text and uh, you know preached but we had we had the tabernacle and pe we just walked people through it in groups and people say they just got so much out of that because they could just see it and I think, of course, you know, we, we want people to read like that second half of Exodus and Leviticus and get into all the details and get into the text. But also we just people find it very, very helpful to see that translated into image. And I can, you know, I can just remember uh, that experience so vividly. Um, yeah. And, and I think just for, for me as a church leader, it was interesting when you were, you were talking about Moses and how he, he had that vision of, of the tabernacle from the Lord, but he didn't, like he got others to, to build it and to put it together um, or, or to, to do some of the, the handiwork, if you like. And maybe there's a word there for us as, as church leaders to make use of the artists, the visual artists, the musicians, um, in, in the obvious ways of let's put their gifts into practice and, and get them used. And, you know, we have um, sermon series illustrations and we'll, we'll try and get some artists to get involved in, in designing them. But also I remember there's a guy, Jeremy Begbie, who's a musician and theologian. And he said, like, get musicians and artists on your leadership teams just because of the way that they think. They see yeah. the world differently. <laughs> um, yeah. Kind of limited, okay, we've got Richard Thomas. Let's get him just designing all of our sermon series graphics. It's like, yeah, maybe. But also, like, the way that you view the world as an artist is going to bring so much more to us as a church family as well. So just a few things thrown out there. But any, anything to add there, Richard, on just how we use people's gifts and skills as artists and how we use art in the life of the church. Yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a lot. I, I remember um, even the, um, I saw something with, um, you know, um, Mackie from the Bible Project. He'd mm. done something um, in his own church where he, um, he'd done a dramatized reading of um, Ruth where um where one spoke as the narrator one spoke as naomi one spoke as um ruth one spoke as boaz and um obviously and another um other spoke as the women for example chatting to naomi and, and whatnot and i i kind of looked at that and i thought that was a great way just to, to read the scriptures to have it dramatized obviously we we i know we've got dramatized versions there but even just the presentation of of engaging with the text by having that there you know to have that the, the whole idea of you know um we can obviously have some great lay readers who just can kind of read text and you know and obviously make it um you know make it impactful um but just to to, to kind of 
have that dramatized before you, but then have it in such a way where that becomes the normal reading of the text, even before you engage in the sermon. And, um, and he done this chapter by chapter, I, as I remember he did in his local church, that I thought, wow, that's just a great way to just do it. I mean, you know, and, it, and, and it's not like people have to be actors, you know, uh, in order to be able to do it, but it gets people involved. And, um, and no doubt, even for the people who are involved, maybe thinking through the roles in which they played, you know, in that particular sense. Um, mm. And so I, that I thought was just um, one of many great ideas that we could be implementing um, as soon as possible. It's not like we have to sit down and have to have a committee about it. Um, we just have to basically say to our to our congregations, do we do we all you know if we all agree that we need to be involved in in this in that we all have a stake in our local church? Um, I don't see any reason why uh, we can't have more of us involved in all the dynamics of of the church. Do you know what I mean? And so um, and what that might look like, obviously, people get tend to get scared. I know. Um, what does it mean? Is it going to be are people going to dance <laughs> in the church? <laughs> you know, what might that look at? You know, I know I've been to churches where people have uh, have have not just danced, but they're they're using flags right, and, yeah. and, and all the rest of it, and, and and it's very dynamic. And 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 so 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 often, what we're dealing with is 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 I guess sometimes what people consider to be a sacred space. You know, um, some people want to see more charisma. In their sacred spaces and other people want to see less and so i would say we need to understand we need to have a bit of both to be honest with you it doesn't necessarily mean that we always have dramatic readings of the text it doesn't mean we don't we don't we always have um there because obviously there are times where the bible is quite quiet and and, and and is quite solitary and it lends itself well to kind of being kind of there and and I think that's something we need to teach our congregations is how to how to allow all of these things to be expressive of sacred space mm -hmm. of how sacred space needs to be glorified you know I mean who would have thought a sacred space would have had the butchering of a bull in it do you know what I mean you know um, who would have thought that but the reality was is that that was a sacred space mm -hmm. as far as God was concerned and so so, so in that sense, it's about teaching our congregations how to, especially those who are who who want it to kind of be of a certain kind of quietest type of piety, um, that we need more. We need a broad spectrum. We need what you believe is sacred, but we also need to broaden our horizon horizon of what a, what God would and could do in a sacred space mm -hmm. and allow for that to, as a range. And so I, you know, because like you said, so I so I think we need to mix it up. Yeah. And it also means that we need to bring our congregations along with us so that, you know, they don't think that we're going off the rails, mm. so to speak, that there's an, you know, that we're being intentional yeah. about what we're doing. And so, um, and, and so, you know, maybe we could, like you said, even as much as I think we could do these things quickly and get them in, incorporated in our churches quickly, um, at the same time, we, we want to bring people along with us and say, mm -hmm. this is what we, we want to do. And we believe it honours God too. And explain why we believe it does so. Yeah. Um, and and uh, I mean, obviously people will be offended and some people will leave, um, you, you know, and, and, and move to the place where they, those things are never challenged. But I think that um, a church will always be blessed if more and more people 
are being used. And I think less people will leave on the basis that they are being used. Yeah. Um, and they will feel valued and they will feel like they're, they're part of that, um, that church, which Paul describes in first Corinthians 12, isn't it? That they're, that, that the diversity of gifts is really appreciated, yeah. you know? Um, and I, and I, and I think that we shouldn't try to make, as it were, a singular expression that our church reduce our church to a singular expression because we can look at that and, and not and not get what paul is saying because in a sense you know uh, outside of certain pentecostal church uh, circles not everyone's speaking in tongues but you should be able to replace tongues with nearly every other thing which dominates the expression of the church right you know and we ought to because to some extent that's what was bothering them then you know, go back, go back to the Corinthian church a hundred years, and tongues probably wouldn't be the issue. Right. It would, it could be that everyone, everyone wants to be involved in helps ministry. You know, <laughs> and so basically, you have a, a, a have the church of coffees and teas and cakes, and you've got all these competing moms making cakes every week, and everyone's there with their pride, thinking, I, you know, I hope everyone eats out my cake first. <laughs> you know, and and so you could end up with that, and then all of a sudden you have to start saying, no, we can't all bake cakes. Right. <laughs> you know, um, we yeah. don't, we all, we all need to kind of get involved in some other aspect of of church ministry so do you see what i mean is that we could end up basically uh, missing that by by being singular in our expressions um of what we do and we and we do need to be able to have that diversity so um so yeah so i would say be intentional bring a church congregation along with you but show that we want to do things that are different so that we are being creative in the way that we're doing it so yes we might have a dynamic region and we might do something very very different maybe um rather than um you know like you said you you take somebody through a a um a construction of the sanctuary and and make that the sermon mm. and, and and put people in it you know um maybe you do bring people up into the sermon and say you know um and, and make them act out certain characters and act characteristics you know just so it becomes dynamic and it becomes useful to people yeah so uh, i think we need to work harder absolutely. that's the truth yeah absolutely thanks for that richard and definitely like especially for leaders looking out and seeing what what are the gifts that god has given the people of our church yeah. and, how, and like how can we we use them like so that the whole church is blessed by that i also i mean we're talking a little bit about visual arts i'm thinking as well about music and i do think certainly in our culture in our generation i think we've got a long way to go on that and almost to just remember some of the lessons from from the past where the church has led the way with regards to music at times and i don't want to get ranty on this but at times i do feel like we're playing catch up with the world with music in this generation and we're not yeah. as creative as we could be i'm just thinking like bark you know he christian guy loved loved chronicles um you know because there's so much kind of music in in first and second chronicles and uh, you know he he would he would sign his um his uh, his man, uh, manuscripts his uh, his pieces with JJ Jesus Juva, I think it was, um, <laughs> wow. Jesus, and then Solidea Glory at the end. But just thinking about like him, his his music was written for church, and like I, I hear that, um, or I'm told that at times there'd be services where you play part of some of his piece, then a sermon would be preached, and then they play the rest of his piece, and 
you know, sometimes that, that would be informing the sermon and giving just that space to kind of reflect on uh, on uh, on what's be, what's been said in the sermon. And so, you know, I do think musically uh, there's, there's there's a lot of creativity to be unlocked uh, in our generation, and it's something definitely. I, I'll be honest with you, I, I, that kind of brings me back to something that um, uh, when we had a series a couple of years ago in my own church on Psalms. And so um, one of the pastors there, Pastor Rob, was, was took it upon himself that every time that he taught on Psalms, he will bring a new song. And he's, and he's a rapper as well. And so, he, every, so at the beginning of each sermon, he will rap about something within that Psalms that he was doing. Yeah. that was reflecting on that so he, he was he was writing as it were a new song right. and so that's just so that's just again um, uh, um just another way it's come to mind how we've tried to do that and maybe um need to like you said just do from uh, when it lends itself to it do you know what i mean you know um uh, you know definitely we definitely need to kind of allow that to happen yeah. so yes i i, I appreciate that because again it yeah, why not? Why not make um, services more musical, especially if you're in the Psalms? Yeah, you know, especially if you're in a place where 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 um, music lends itself well. Absolutely, I like that. I like that about the Psalms. And I do think, like, obviously, we've got this whole book of songs in the Bible, but we've not been given the music for it, right? The Lord could right, have yeah. done that, but I think that's because He wants us to be creative with that and, and to write lots of different melodies and tunes to that and there are tons of stuff out there and I think if, if you artists have been picking up on that like just trying to work through the psalms and set them and mm. um, you know to, to new music which is you know people who are listening just check check that out and um, yeah. man oh, I've got so much written down here it's like where do, where do we go next but I was just wondering you know the do you think that the, the visual and art reminds us as Christians that we're not Gnostics? And do, do no. you think there is a sense in which we have, I mean, you spoke earlier about Exodus and just how multi-sensory that experience of worship was from smelling to seeing to hearing. It's just like full on. And um, the way that the whole camp of Israel were just set up to proclaim the gospel of Jesus and they're just getting it in all sorts of ways. But then some people can say, like, OK, we get to the New Testament and all that's kind of gone. And it's almost like, wh wh where is the, the visual? Where is the space for, for the visual um, in the New Testament? And, of course, the temptation is to just go purely didactic and just like it's all about just words and teaching. Do, would you want to challenge that way of reading the Bible? I mean, you've already brought up First Corinthians, but also like right. what you say to that, particularly that question about kind of does art and the visual remind us we're not Gnostics? Yeah. Um, I think one, yes, it, it does remind us that we're not Gnostics. To, um, uh, I mean, the resurrection of our physical bodies um, is is the very is the very thing that kind of cuts against any Gnostic tradition. This whole idea that I will live. In some kind of ethereal state um, is is not is 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 not in the, the least kind of championed within the New Testament, um, and so this so from that perspective, the whole idea of the resurrection of the flesh in order to live with the Lord um, is something that is is central to um, the eschatological reality of every believer. 
is is that I will I will exist bodily um, so I can continue to relate to people very much in a, in a very similar way that I, I do now, but yet without sin. And so, so that's the challenge to Gnosticism, full stop. The resurrection of the body um, speaks completely against that. Um, I would say now in regards to... Um, where do we go? What do we do differently? How does the... Um, Oh, where do we go from here? Mm. Um, yeah, I think I think we need to be more, um, you know, wary of our uh, wary of the fact that when we look at the Bible and think to some extent that things have stopped, so um, you know. We're, we're all are involved in a culture um, and so when we what we read into the text of um, the fact that all that seems to have stopped um, I don't know like you said you kind of got these you get these little snippets especially within um, Paul's writings where you get these snippets of hymns for example and so Paul never abandoned his Jewish culture that's something he has you know the food he ate um, the songs they sung, um, everything would have been a part of what he, what every one of those apostles would have done. Um, they, they, they were born into something in which um, all these things were expressed. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's one of the reasons why today you kind of have, you know, you have, you know, Christian heavy metal, you have Christian, you know, pop, you have Christian rap, you have, you know, Christian reggae. It's, the reality is, is that our, our own cultural identity brings something to the table. Do you know what I mean? And so when we look at revelations, for example, that they're every, every, you know, every race under the, every ethnicity under the sun is singing to the Lord and, and worshiping there is that the reality is that we are not, we, we are never, we're never born in a vacuum, you know, mm -hmm. and we should be honoring God in within the context of the fact that we do have a culture and that, Obviously, there are some aspects of our culture which do need to be uh, re, you know, um, come under the sanctification of now being children of God. But yes. again, it's not we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. We are we are supposed to um, uh, allow those things which are important to us that don't hinder the gospel to become a part of being redeemed by that gospel too. So if our flesh gets redeemed. No doubt there's aspects of our culture that also get redeemed, especially because, you know, whether that be the food I eat, you know, now I do this unto the Lord. Now I eat this unto the Lord. Uh, the, the songs that I sing and the way that I sing those songs, uh, the, that now becomes redeemed. I, you know, uh, there's no point trying to take somebody from a, from a Caribbean context um, and try to tell them, uh, you know, you, you must now sing in, 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 um, in choral music. You know, um, you go, well, what do you know? I know Caribbean. I know Caribbean music. I know reggae. I know um, uh, 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 ska. I, 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 that's okay. Well, then make tunes up to that. And obviously, when you go to Jamaica, for example, um, they do do that. Christians do sing 
um, take that that those those reggae things and mm. reggae beats and those ska beats, and they do put it into their old expression. Not everybody does, but most people do. The same way you might find that, obviously, within certain urban communities in in America, have adopted rap and rap as a way of of expressing themselves um, in there. So I, I I feel that 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 our own cultural identity, much like the apostles, still continues to recreate those things um, that are relevant to us. So the gospel becomes a place that we, I feel comfortable with, that feels relevant to me where I am. And, I, I, and again, probably one of the, the big things that I, is, 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 is not necessarily to be fully persuaded. I mean, so here's some of the bigger questions of our age with obviously with the rise of things like Black Lives Matter and whatnot, is this whole idea of how cultures have dominated certain things. And obviously one of the things is that that's quite kind of arisen about, about Christianity being the white man's religion, for example. But the reality is, is that um, before Europeans dominated, as it were, Christian content, so to speak, Africa, dominated much of christian content for a thousand years almost do you know what i mean and so so we we shouldn't we shouldn't think that oh because a culture kind of you know because much of what we know of christianity has come from from british and, and, and american kind of um evangelical circles that somehow we've we, you know we've got to kind of step back from that but um we should feel feel brave enough and bold enough to be able to kind of reappropriate things from our old culture and allow that to kind of um, rise to the surface as well and not say well it's you know unless it comes from this um, um ethnic source then it's not authentic because i don't think that was the case and when you look at acts 15 for example the mandate was not necessarily to put chains on cultures from being able to express themselves to god it, it, you know that were strictly jewish so even jewish culture wasn't seen as basically being the great touchstone and unless you kind of come from a jewish culture then you're not authentic a christian i mean acts 15 gives us almost that carte blanche that um, as long as your the practice is not strictly pagan and connected to some kind of um uh, allegiance to other gods and authorities other than jesus then you're free to do it you know go ahead and create and, and and be at liberty in christ so so yeah I, I i feel that you know sometimes these things can bit get lost in some of the arguments that people have made um uh, which i've just alluded to but um again i would i would just point people to the whole idea that um yeah that the, the new testament didn't cut people off from their culture yeah they were still doing those things. They were still expressing themselves within their own culture, and that never changed. Um, and so, if you if if people suggest that did, then they are they are not obviously reading the text and they're not reading their history correctly. Yeah, awesome. And so, kind of just thinking again, that point about we're, we're one body but made up of lots of different parts, different cultures, different uh, different gifts different abilities and it's trying to bring all of those to to the party sort of thing whether that's in food and thinking about how to or music or whatever and, and how do we redeem that which is you know redeem our cultures and bring that which is good from our various cultures into our church life and i mean you know we we're in um, one of the churches i oversee has almost 20 nationalities in the church of about 50 60 
And that's just something we're wrestling wrestling through at the moment because it's like, how? what does it mean? Like, what does all that you just said mean in that sort of a context? Like, what does it... Food is such an easy one, actually, because it's like you put on a church lunch and everyone brings the, their food and it's just amazing. Uh, I absolutely love that. And that's one thing we've missed this this last year. Um, but music, you know, that's that, that becomes... Uh, at least that's just something we're wrestling with. You know, it's so easy to just default to, um, you know, British or American music, essentially yeah. pop music. I mean, I, I love the old hymns and so trying to bring back some of our history in that way. But also, what but what might it mean to, to bring in some, you know, Iranian music or, or Ethiopian music or, or, you know, and things like that? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just something we anything to say on that. We're just wrestling. I, 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 I would say, you know, if you've got people who have got the ability to do it. I mean, I remember, for example, um, I'm, I'm highly blessed by the, um, there was a soundtrack I have, which is to um, the film, um, The Thin Red Line. And it has a, there's, there's another specific soundtrack to it because it has a Malaysian choir on it. And it has all these tunes, and some of them you can recognise, um, old classic hymns, but they're singing it in Malaysian style. It's absolutely beautiful. And it's, it's, it, it's, if you look at it, if you look for it, it's the, it's the Thin Red Line, and there's, a, there's, a, there's one album connected to the soundtrack, and you hear it throughout the movie, uh, where they're singing these beautiful tunes. And you hear every now and then you can hear the name of Jesus being being brought forth in some of it. And um, I I love it. I've I've got the album, you know. I'm 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 sure that um, people have um, I don't know picked up. Um, you know, was it Lady Smith, Black Mombasa? I mean, I've been blessed by the fact of you know I've I, I've I've there's a variety of African choirs that are are absolutely beautiful who don't just sing in English they sing in their own tongues and again it's that that whole idea of hearing different tongues in the church is a blessing um but also culturally enriching and also maybe eye-opening again to the whole idea of globalization um to the fact that we don't live in a monocultural society um so I I would I would definitely challenge the fact that if there are if if you have different so for example if you have different people on the worship team that um that there should be that ability for them to kind of sing in a in a cultural appropriate way that there isn't that straight jacket so to speak you know some some of them might just want to um sing the english or american tunes because that's what they like um but you know we certainly shouldn't make them feel that if they if that their their cultural style isn't isn't needed that you know we say no I'd, I'd, I'd actually prefer it if you sang in a in, in in a manner that was you would do you know what would you do you know you were asked them, what would you do at home you know yeah. do that yeah you know do that and so so yeah I, I i want people to be able to bring their personal experiences and and, and their, their their cultural identity into the service um, especially if you know office is gone through that filtering process where they are it is the aspect of their culture that is sincerely committed to christ yeah you know why why put them in a straitjacket and say you know this is what we do this is what we feel comfortable with um mm. so yeah i i would uh, 
you know, I think that you would be hard pressed if you invited um, a Nigerian preacher into your community, you know, into your church, but they might not want to shake up the tone a bit, you know. And so maybe something sometimes like that, you know, a bit of a, 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 a you know, a bassier voice with uh, with more, um, you know, pacing down the rostrum um, might show people a different way in which gospel can be preached. That That's glorious. And um, I was just thinking, C.S. Lewis has this thing where he says, as we lose ourselves in Jesus, we become more holy ourselves. And I guess it's just trusting that as like, as the spirit is sanctifying us into the image of Christ and redeeming us and our personalities and our cultural backgrounds, that that's going to be a blessing to the wider church family. And just as you were speaking, I was thinking about the scriptures and how it's just written by lots of different characters. And, and you, you see that, don't you? It's sort of reflected. It's one story all pointing to Jesus, but told through lots of different personalities in different ways. And yeah. that's just been a real challenge to me, though, Richard, on how, how, how do we reflect something of that in our, in our services? And actually, the way that you just talked about it is, is pretty liberating because it's not like you have to, as a church leader, like force it. It's not like, oh, we need, we need to get this out of you or I want this to be done or that to be done and control and manage it. It's just about releasing people with the, their personalities uh, to use their gifts in the context of the church and sometimes in the context of gathered worship, right? That's right, yeah. I, I, um, I remember having that conversation with you a number of years ago where I said that you, um, especially when it comes to the pulpit, um, that people that have access to the to the to the full range of the ministries that um, that there is a missional um, you know the, those that are more missional mindset that when they preach a text that mission is going to come out you know those that are more prophetic in gifts is going to bring out that kind of um, that authority of the of the word of God in order to make us do something um, uh, to respond to Him to respond to holiness. Um, you know, to have the, you know, that um, evangelistic voice come through um, mm. that makes us realize that, you know, that we are, that the, that the field is white unto harvest. We, the church needs to hear all these different gifts. Yeah. They need to hear these different expressions. And so um, I know for myself, I mean, I, I, I kind of go up as a teacher and I'm, I'm trying to elucidate the text. And I, 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 I want people to, to realize how deep the word of God is, but that's not all they need. You know, they need to they need to be reminded that there's a mission out there as well. So it's not just about the the cultural aspects of that. It's not just the culture the the culture the the culture that has a that that has the opportunity to suffer. It's the full range of the ministry mm. has that that has that chance to be suffered because you know they might be like you said um, getting so much of one dynamic of the ministry that to some extent it, it's come at the cost of missions hmm. you know they're not missionally minded it's come at the cost of evangelism they're not evangelistically minded you hmm. know um and and that's something that we we can't afford to happen um we we we, we do need to make sure we're making um the 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 church experience as, as diverse as possible Mm. Uh, for the sake of the ministry because again even what as paul puts it in, in, in ephesians isn't it for the building up of the body isn't it that 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 body on body ministry that we're all kind of being knit together so that we are coming to that place of maturity um 
every pastor, you, you know, should should and you know, I, I believe most do most most worth their salt do know that they're trying to put themselves out of a job. Sure. You know, yeah. you know, I'm trying to make myself less relevant to your life yeah. <laughs> than than anything else because my hope is that I will see uh, people go on and not if even if they're not leading their church, another church coming to the point where they're, they're, they're coming and becoming leaders of their church, that at the very least they're becoming the, the, the authority of God in their own homes, yes. you know, and that they are leading their homes very well. So, yeah. so that maturity is not going to come. I mean, as you, you know, you know, we've both been trained. So we realize that, you know, we go from old Testament class to new Testament class to um, apologetics class uh, to church history class we realize that we've had the advantage of, of understanding how all the branches of ministry have come and invested in us. Sure. Wouldn't it be bad on us yeah. if now coming from that point of being trained, we were allowing all those different voices, all those different teachers coming into our own lives, yeah. coming into our own ministry and allowing those people to be heard. You know, I know, I know that there's probably classes we would have said, if this was... If, if, if church, if, 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 if ministry training was just this class, I'd just love it. Do you know what I mean? But the reality yeah. is, is that, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, we've had to, I had to go to Hebrew class and be embarrassed at how bad I am at, at learning other languages, but I don't regret it. Yeah. I dreaded going to Hebrew class. Uh, I was like, and, and it was by the, I, I guess I had, I had the best teacher ever who made it so so adaptable um in sulgi man but it was an i dreaded it but i it was so necessary though it was so helpful and it helped me and it enriched my life so um so when we think about the investment that has been made in us and how many people have had a hand in it um and, may, and maybe even people if we could have avoided we would have avoided uh, but yet nonetheless we come out blessed for it it's the same the same thing we, we should experience about our church is that if 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 i'm to take ephesians seriously and what paul is expressing there then i realize that they're going to need more than what i have yes to offer if they're going to be mature you know um i can only probably develop them in, in maybe a few areas that i'm particularly strong at but i when you look around you you should see other people who are much stronger than yourselves who you realize the church will learn better from them than from me yeah you know oh. and so that, that that being humble enough to see that is is i think it's going to be important amen to that I and mean, i think for those listening into this like romans 12 and ephesians 4 i think have been key passages for for this whole conversation and uh, just trusting that the lord is the one who builds his church and he's building every local church and he's bringing you know particular people with particular gifts to create a particular church for a particular community and that's really exciting i think that's that's super exciting just one one last question i realize you've, you've, you've given so much of your time richard and it's just oh there's so much you know love to pick up on but one last thing, just on that whole point about Old Testament church just being super visual and all of that. And this perhaps sometimes that that idea that we lose all of that. Well, obviously, as we look back into church history, we see that actually churches have maintained that view that the visual that is important, that music's important that the way that we structure our services can even tell a story 
and that actually you know some church traditions even what people dress in the service can tell a story so i'm from the the anglican church and people might laugh at what bishops wear um, but you know even the, the, the hats the matters that they wear are supposed to be representing that the tongues of fire from pentecost mm -hmm. now of course we might say the problem now is that people don't know how to translate those images or rather the problem is that those images aren't being communicated but in principle there's something there isn't it like how in our gathered worship is everything telling the gospel of jesus is everything pointing to it from the music to the art to like i say the liturgy and um, so that's something to think about but i just did want to get your your thoughts on this you know the anglican church defines the Anglicans define church as where the word is preached and the sacraments are duly administered. And I think that is what it is to be reformed Christians, to, to hold the word like and the sacraments together, you mm -hmm. know, the spoken and the visual and the, and the visual, if you like. So, mm -hmm. you know, normal church service would be at the very least have the scriptures proclaimed, Jesus preached in the Bible and we enjoy this meal where, you know, super visual, everyone, you know, all, all believers come into this table to receive this bread, which speaks of the body of Christ and to drink from this cup, this wine, which uh, speaks to us of the blood of Christ. And that takes us back to Exodus, which you were talking about earlier, to the cross, mm -hmm. but also takes us ahead to that marriage feast of the lamb, uh, that, that city that's coming. So could you just get your, your, your just comments on that, uh, you know, church as that place where the word of God is preached and the sacraments administered. And, you know, how important is Holy Communion to you in terms of worship as an artist? Yeah, I, I think one, like you said, you, you, you have the word of God, which obviously resides forever um, and continues on even into eternity isn't it um, that still becomes that which we we, we depend upon and becomes truth um, and hopefully in, in the new tender in, in a way that is even more apparent than than, than it is now um, again because again we always see through the glass dimly but again there's that point where it, there's a there's that hope of greater clarity in the world to come um, but again, that, that the sacraments rightly administered again come from the traditions of of how um, these truths are embodied um, and are experienced um, within a within, within a cultural context, isn't it? You know, you go obviously you 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 go to different places. You see people do things very differently. Some uh, uh, like within my own local church, you know, uh, an individual cup with an individual portion of bread uh, given and then you know you see from like in the Anglican tradition where it's coming and drinking from one cup or drinking from um and breaking and, and and eating from one broken bread you know to full-on meals in certain environments you know a full-on um, fellowship meal um which I know is again you know with with um the farm fellowship as well which is you know something i I I love seeing that um, tradition where everyone is sitting down and, and, and doing it but I think the sacraments rightly administered is is that way in which we are staying in contact with one another we're mm -hmm. keeping church um, not basically just in the abstract realm of the word of God preached uh, but then I now sit down and I share a, a meal with you 
in whatever context that might be, you know, you might from the full on feast um, to the, the, the individualized bread um, and cup um, to whatever context is, is that this is something that we live and we do. So it, it's, it's always pressing towards, um, it's not just the word preach, but it's the word lived mm-hmm. and enacted um, that we become family, we become one body. Um, through what's also what we do you know so it's not just through mere assent i agree with the word of god i agree that jesus christ is who he said he is i believe he has died for me i believe he is resurrected so that i will be um, secured and, and 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 have that guarantee that he would also raise me from the dead but that all that comes within the context of where i've met now i eat the bread which now um becomes um a, a, a symbol and a ritual in which I now become um, physically enacted in all of that. So, so you can almost see the truths of, of it's not just, you know, it's not just the word rightly given, it's how I now live through the sacraments with other, be- with other believers um, in such a way that uh, both hand and, you know, both head and heart have to be engaged in the gospel you know so i'm not surprised that um, even in that simple formula um, it's kind of also encapsulating um that kind of like those two worlds the the world of the mind um, and also the world of of our bodies how we interact with one another and so um if we don't lose that and if we if we realize that both are important and both need to um, have its place within the life of a local fellowship that I feel that we will always to some extent obviously there's going to be times we're going to feel like we're doing one more of one and then another um, but rightly done we will continue to to kind of find that unity in both what the Lord says to our heads and hopefully through the word of God and hopefully how we interact with one another through those sacraments as we as we break bread to, we, together with one another as we pray with one another even um, all these things will will draw us closer together you know it's kind of like at the heart that the argument at the heart of james isn't it as well which is how do i unite you believers where they're not just relying on the abstract here you go brother um, um here's the word of god but you know i'm i'm about to break bread with my family come with yeah. me let me interact with you. Um, let me make sure that, you know, one, I'm not just feeding you so that your, your belly is full. I'm actually bringing you in as a brother. I'm bringing you as a sister. I'm, I'm actually making you part of my family as well. And so, yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm it seems like a simple, simple formula, but it's actually expressing um, those two truths that I think that any church, again, who, 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 who wants to be authentic needs to to hold those two truths dear to them and not move from them because we are our identity is secured for it and we continue that legacy and we want to be every local church i believe wants to be low fail, um, faithful in their time so that when they, obviously we hand these over to a new generation they will continue them and we would um print those simple nuggets of truth here you are here is the truth the word rightly preached the sacraments rightly administered, do that well, um, 
and you'll find uh, the Lord will do the rest. Amen. So, yeah. Amen. Indeed. Amen. Amen. Let's wrap things up. And I just want to finish that 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 kind of definition of art, or one definition that you gave earlier, visualizing worlds beyond the world. And I think throughout this conversation, you just reminded me that really the church is God's great masterpiece, his artwork. And when we're faithful to him, filled with the spirit, where the word is preached, where the sacraments are duly administered, where everyone is bringing their spiritual gifts into the life of the body, we, we are to be visualizing in this world, the world that is coming. Uh, we are in that sense, that glimpse of the new creation uh, in the here and now. And, it, and it's God's work, uh, not ours, which is, which is just super. And um, Richard, thank you. And to those who've been listening, it's been a wide ranging conversation. And, and I think that's good because, you know, this, this conversation about theology of the, and the arts is going to take us in all sorts of directions. And as has been represented in this conversation, you know, it's going to lead us to, to think about heresies like Gnosticism. And to think about that truth that we as human beings are our body uh, and uh, mind and spirit. And it's going to lead us to church history and to thinking about ecclesiology and all sorts of things. And um, Richard, just thank you for, for all your wisdom uh, in all those different things that we've been talking about. I really appreciate you giving your time for us. It's been a blessing. It's been a pleasure. And it's, uh, again, it's um, like I said, reviving old times. So it's like a... <laughs> It's getting back to getting back to what we've been doing for such a long period of time, and so um, yeah, let's continue to to encourage one another um, and um, see uh, the church flourish in our time. Absolutely, amen to that. Thanks. We can one day do this face to face again. <laughs> That'd be awesome. We will do. We're we're back in touch. So <laughs> let's continue to see what the Lord will do. Amen. All right. Thanks, Thanks everyone for for watching or listening. Do tune in again for another of these conversations. See ya. See ya. Bye.